There are three big problems with used vehicle appraisals. One, manually sifting through comp vehicles. Two, old book values and ghost comps. Three, no recon visibility. You can solve them all with AutoVision. Now available from Reynolds and Reynolds. Learn more at reyrey.com slash used cars. That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y dot com slash used dash cars. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, February 16th, 2024. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Callan Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Tesla, Ford, and Chevy saw an EV slowdown in December, but registrations still grew 23%. Stellantis is done buying emissions credits. And the UAW strike certainly hurt suppliers, but new earnings results tell us it could have been a lot worse. Plus, dealers and retail experts talk about their concerns and hopes for EV growth as the U.S. pushes for zero emissions vehicles. 43% of EV buyers, when they dispose of the EV, they do go back to another EV. 41% go back to an ICE. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. New electric vehicle registrations grew 23% in December and captured a near-record 8.8% of the U.S. light vehicle market. But according to data from S&P Global Mobility, there were clear signs of a slowdown by segment leaders Tesla, Ford, and Chevrolet. Tesla's 11% rise in full EV registrations lagged the segment and the broader light vehicle market, which rose 15% in December compared with the same month a year earlier, Ford's EV registrations grew 13%, and Chevrolet's fell 26% after it discontinued its top-selling Bolt model. The December data shows that the EV market remains strong, despite a slowing trend from its red-hot numbers for full-year 2023. New EV registrations grew 52% last year over 2022. Their share of the U.S. light vehicle market rose to 7.7% from 5.7% a year earlier. Ford CEO Jim Farley says the shifting market for EVs has made it tougher to predict the profitability of those models. But he says the automaker is fully committed to its plan to develop smaller EVs that can make money quickly. Farley says the company made the decision because the economics on smaller vehicles makes more sense for consumers. If you do the economics and all that battery capacity for a vehicle that's, let's say, the Escape or smaller, It's totally different. It completely works. In fact, it's dramatically better operating cost than a Corolla or a Civic or even a Maverick. And that is what's really exciting for us. And that's a pivot that isn't entirely obvious that Ford has made, but we have made it. In recent months, Ford has delayed billions of dollars in investments, cut production, walked back margin targets, and essentially recalibrated its EV strategy in the wake of slower-than-expected growth in consumer demand. Farley promised that Ford will eventually turn around its money-losing EV business. He likens it to overseas operations where the automaker used to lose billions of dollars per year. 
but now turns a collective profit. The company has said it expects to lose $5 billion to $5.5 billion this year on EVs. Earlier this week, we told you about all the money Tesla is banking from automakers buying its regulatory credits, but it's going to have one fewer customer for them. Stellantis is determined to no longer be a buyer of credits. That strategy was a relic of the Fiat Chrysler automobiles era when the automaker was a regular buyer of Tesla's credits. But things are different under the leadership of Stellantis CEO Carlos Tavares. He isn't allowing the automaker to, quote, ever buy a single credit. That's what Dodge and Ram CEO Tim Kaniskas said Thursday during a fireside chat at the Wolf Research Global Auto and Auto Tech Conference. I mean, it's not even a topic of discussion. We don't buy credits. We're not buying credits. We're not going to do that. The company has EVs coming this year for the Dodge, Fiat, Jeep, and Ram brands. Major suppliers were largely able to absorb the financial impact of last year's UAW strike and avoid the worst-case scenarios that many of them feared. Although results are not uniform, that's what we're seeing from many of the most recent quarterly earnings reports by publicly traded companies. Part of this is because of the nature of the strike. It unfolded over time as the UAW targeted only specific plants. Because of that, a wave of supplier insolvencies did not materialize, despite the stoppage's significant financial impact. Analysts say suppliers, particularly smaller ones, still face a fragile operating environment as companies navigate a rocky transition to EV production and as geopolitical risks continue to take more of a toll on the supply chain. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, call me dumb, but can you explain to me in more detail why Stellantis would no longer buy regulatory credits? I mean, Tesla has been making money from these credits hand over fist. Uh, you're, you're not dumb, Cal. Uh, Stellantis is tired of putting its money into Tesla's bank accounts and it wants to stop. It hasn't been able to stop because it didn't have any EVs. Uh, they had a few plug-in hybrids that sold pretty well, but that wasn't necessarily enough to meet the regulatory demands. They just launched their first EV in a while, the Ram Promaster EV. And this year, they've got a lot of EVs coming. The pressure is going to be on the sales staff and the marketing team and the dealers, of course, to sell enough of those EVs that they can uh, avoid paying Tesla any more money. Gotcha. Coming up, dealers are anxious about the push for more EV production. We'll hear from some of them about their worries and expectations for the transition. That's next on Daily Drive. Data is the backbone of your used vehicle department, but finding the right data and using it to build accurate comp sets can be difficult. How often do you find yourself making manual adjustments to pricing recommendations? Reynolds' newest inventory management solution, AutoVision, can help. Jose Mendoza, General Manager at San Leandro Honda, explains how AutoVision sets his business apart. Everybody's going on third-party vendor sites to see what they're priced at out there. Everybody's uh, looking at auction data. Everybody's looking at transaction data, if you can get it. So the only thing that, that, that really is going to make it different for you is what you're selling them at. So I, I think you have to weigh that a little bit heavier than you do everything else. It doesn't matter if the market says you can sell this car for $30,000 if the last three you've sold have been at 27. We have reports set up through our DMS, through, through Reynolds and & Reynolds, and through AutoVision 
which is what we use for our uh, used cars. And, and we have reports set up on those. And it's something that that I think is is important to constantly be talking about and constantly be be going over. AutoVision can help you run your used vehicle department with precise comp sets, real-time inventory data, and reconditioning insights. Visit reyrey.com slash used dash cars to find out more. That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y dot com slash used dash cars. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. It's evident from the stories we've talked about already today that interest in EVs is alive and well, with market share continuing to grow, and automakers optimistic that they'll soon turn a profit on those vehicles. But critical questions remain about the consistency of demand and challenges that have cropped up amid adoption. That's according to industry experts who discussed the topic during a panel at the Automotive News Retail Forum, NADA. Melinda Zabritsky is head of Automotive Financial Insights for Experian Automotive. Eric Watson is Kia America's Vice President of Sales Operations. Ed Roberts is an author and expert on the sales industry. And Rick Reichert is president of Reichert Automotive Group based in Ohio. They spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Schein in Las Vegas. So we've got a great EV panel here. I'm very thankful for them to make some time to talk about EVs. To my right, Rick Riker, President Riker Automotive Group in Columbus, Ohio. We do this. That's right. Okay. Uh, Ed Roberts, CEO, COO, Bozart Ford Lincoln, St. Augustine, Florida. Yes. Finalist for the Fixed Ops Influencer at the inaugural Golden Wrench Awards later today. Yeah, Good luck to you on that. I voted for you. Eric Watson, VP of Sales Operations, Kia America. Thank you, Eric. It's, he, I'm cornering at the bar at our Automotive News All-Stars and say, can you come do this? And he said, we got sales the day before. Then we're gonna... But he came, made the effort. I really appreciate it. And I'm Melinda Zabritsky, head of Automotive Financial Insights at Experian Automotive. And just a great now. We use it a lot in our F&I coverage, especially a lot of great data points and insight. So two years ago, I think we were all in Vegas. It seemed like EVs were the buzz. Everyone's excited about them. Boy, this is, you know, that's all everybody's seen to talk about at NADA two years ago. Two years later, there just seems to be this malaise that has kind of set over the industry in 2023. What's happened? You know, the early adopters, I think, jumped on the new, the new technology, the new, the new form of transportation. And I think that adoption pace was a little bit exaggerated. And I think a lot of the manufacturers were very aggressive and wanting to switch over to 100% battery electric vehicles. And I think that the general public, and we saw the map up on the screen and you've got the blue zones where the red hot, the West Coast, those pockets, where we are in Columbus, Ohio, in the Midwest, a little bit more hesitation. You know, you have the climate factors, it's cold. Um, what's the charging infrastructure gonna look like? How do I charge it at my home? So as that education increases, you know, I think instead of it being something where we picture it a lot higher percentage sales in the next three to five years, it's probably going to be a little bit longer than that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is here. It's, it's here to stay. It's just been a little bit slower for some of the public to really want to engage with. And what's it like in Florida? A little bit warm weather, a little bit different, maybe better climate for it. How are you, how are they with it at Bozart? What are the sales like? EVs are up and down. We, we, we sell better than 10 a month, but less than 20. So certainly nowhere's near what we'd like for it to be. It was talked about earlier that the higher earners are usually the early adopters. 
And then we told those guys not long ago, uh, middle of last year, that, hey, we're not going to give you a tax credit anymore. You make too much. And uh, we already paid more in taxes, and, and we're not deserving of a tax credit. So it took those people out of the market for that reason as well. And then it confused the rest of the consumers with, where's the battery being sourced? Where's it being sourced from? And so when you create that confusion, you take it out of their consideration to even look at them. We don't talk about that credit or, or that being the elements of it, but it was certainly a key driver in, in the, the pullback of EV adoption. Eric is doing really well, I think, in the EV space uh, and comes out with an EV9 is coming out soon. You know, a whole new kind of segment there breaks a lot of excitement about that with the three row. From Kia's perspective, how, how do you view kind of what 23, how 2023 was and you know, looking forward to, into you know, 24 and, and beyond? Yeah, I, I think what you said, we've got a very good strategy to continue to develop our ICE vehicles and bring new EVs into market. We're seeing growth. It's probably not the growth that the industry anticipated. Our EV sales in January were up 57% over January of last year. A lot of that was driven. We did start sale of our EV9, so we've got a new vehicle that's breaking into a new segment of a family uh, three-row SUV. And I think the industry is kind of an inflection point. It's doubled in volume over the years, and now maybe we don't see that ability to go from 1.1 million to 2.2 million sales this year. But I think there'll be products and segments and geography across the country. In Colorado, we're seeing an explosion of growth. They just passed the $5,700 state tax credit, we can't keep EVs in stock in that state right now. And how does that compare to other states? I mean, is, is, is again, just kind of by region, that's hot, and other, other areas, just like maybe Columbus, Ohio? Yeah, I mean, the map that was brought up earlier is pretty much representative of where our sales are today. We are seeing pockets, uh, Florida does well for us, Texas, Colorado, and obviously the West Coast states. And then we've got some dealers that are a little more advanced in pushing EVs in their market. So you have somewhere in Oklahoma where a dealer somehow figured out how to sell 15 to 20 of these a month. And they've got salespeople who teach it, push it, help, help people adopt it. So a little bit of everything. What are the numbers kind of saying? What are you seeing from uh, the numbers perspective and the data yeah. about where we've been and kind of how you see things progressing in the coming years? Yeah, we show right now that we're about 8% of sales are EV uh, from a finance standpoint. There's still a lot of questions, I think, around financing of EVs and the whole consumer transparency. You, know, you brought up Colorado, which is where I live. And I think from a consumer standpoint, it's a bit challenging because if you go online, everyone wants to go online and just configure everything online. What's your payment? What's your exact payment? And at least in Colorado, you kind of can't do that because it's you might qualify for this credit. You might qualify for this credit. Your payment might be this. It might be that. You just don't know. Um, but from a number standpoint, you know, we're still, adoption is still relatively low. You already mentioned the early adopters. It's only about 1.7% of households have an EV. The numbers are still low, but like the scrappage is higher. The ownership length is significantly lower. Average length of ownership is less than three years yeah. for an EV. And then I think we were together at a financial services association yep. uh, conference. After three years, how many go back to EVs and how many? Go yeah. to and back to an ice. Yeah, so we were looking at again that length of ownership. It's like two point eight seven years, whereas thirteen for ice. So pretty pretty big difference. It was forty three percent of EV buyers when they dispose of the EV, they do go back to another EV. Forty one percent go back to an ice. Yeah. The other fifteen are like you know other fuel types and such. But yeah, yeah. You kind of we talked a little bit about EV tax credits and the confusion 
over that, right? And, and I think there's hopefully some clarity coming in, in this year and I'll, how big a factor do you think that is in consumers' reluctance to jump into, into the EV market? I think consumers have an affordability equation that they look at when they're shopping. Two years ago, there was so much extra money in the marketplace. The economy was good. I mean, we had consumers buying both ICE and EVs that were you know, the higher price vehicles. We just couldn't, we just couldn't keep in stock. They were just red hot. Where the economy is today, the way people are having the budget and really look at the numbers, I think that the tax credit, if it ran smoothly and it was understandable and it was simple to process and they could really understand that, I think we'd see a little bit of a spike as long as the affordability was competitive with the, with the equivalent ICE vehicles. Because mm -hmm. gas prices really haven't gone up. We're in a good market for the gas price. When they look at that three-year equation of a total ownership, there's a, this, uh, consumers aren't really wanting to pay more for battery electric than they, than they need to for ICE. Yeah. I forgot to ask you earlier, what's your month's supply right now of EVs, if you know generally? About uh, 180 days. Okay. I'm about 180 days. Yeah, I thought you were, yeah, I think the yeah. last time we spoke, it was about that. And how many EVs would you say you sell in a month? So on our main campus, which has Ford, Kia, Hyundai, uh, Nissan, Mitsubishi, Genesis, it's approximately 15. And then the given month. Yeah. What, what kind of feedback are you hearing from consumers? I mean, are you, the sales staff kind of try to actively push lightning or are they just letting the consumer come to them and to kind of dictate what? The salespeople are going to sell what they can sell. So I don't, I don't think that even if we want to tell the salesperson, really push the EV, make sure they test drive it, tell them all the benefits. If someone is on the fence or they're leaning towards a nice, the salesperson really isn't the one that's doing the education in my mind. What we're doing is we're opening like this EV experience center. We're taking an old vacant showroom, putting into rental fleet, kind of one of each model of all of these new EVs to invite them in for just an education session. You want to test drive, understand the tax credits, understand the charging infrastructure, understand what you need in your home to be able to charge it properly. Be able to look at the map of your home and work and, and what you do throughout your day. You know, raise anxiety is still a thing. So, so rather than a salesperson trying to overcome these EV objections, they're almost going, well, there's also hybrid and ICE. And let me explain all three, let the consumers make a buying decision that way, where if you invite them in just to educate them, just if you've been curious about EVs, come in, drive one without a salesperson. This is an hourly person just to provide the information so that whether they're ready to be in the market today or six months or a year from now, we can start to prepare them and make them understand more about what it takes to really own an EV. Melinda Zabritsky is head of automotive financial insights for Experian Automotive. Eric Watson is Kia America's vice president of sales operations. Ed Roberts is an author and expert on the sales industry. And Rick Reichert is president of Reichert Automotive Group. They spoke with our own Dan Schein at the Automotive News Retail Forum NADA in Las Vegas. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lawrence Iliff, Michael Martinez, Vince Bond Jr., John Irwin, and CJ Moore for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on retail, EV demand, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back over the weekend for our latest Weekend Drive edition of the show. We'll talk over the biggest stories from the past week, and our own Audrey LaForest joins the show to talk about how dealers are handling changes this year to U.S. EV tax credits. 
this is the first time they're offering an EV tax credit at the point of sale like this at the federal level. So I guess in some ways, you know, there are kinks that need to be worked out and we're seeing it all, like especially over the last couple of months. We'll be off on Monday for the President's Day holiday. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.